Oh, I'm sorry. Did I break your concentration? Somewhere between science and superstition. We have such sights to show you. Welcome to Strange Eons Radio. That's Eric over there. Hello. That's Vanessa over there. Good afternoon. I'm Kelly. Hey, guys. We had a uh, listener uh, send us a nice little message, and I think that you know him, Vanessa. I do. It was it was Micah Guy. Yeah, he's a good friend of mine. He's a um, horror film aficionado, a big fan of our show as well. Clearly has yeah. amazing taste. Yeah, and thank just, you. Yeah, all around super great guy. I should hold off on saying the amazing taste because he he asked us <laughs> to watch a movie and uh, I watched vast it. Vast taste, vast taste. Yeah. So what what was his recommendation? I didn't watch it. So, uh, well, this is my kind of movie, so I, I feel like this is why it was suggested. He asked us to watch uh, the Killing of Satan, which is available only on YouTube. Can't figure out quite why this hasn't gotten a Criterion release yet. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Interesting choice. I, I could think of a, another group or two that might put a movie like this out, but Criterion would not be my first choice. <laughs> uh, this movie is fucking bonkers. Really? It's a. Uh, uh, it's from the Philippines, uh, early eighties. Oh. Um, I wasn't exactly sure what I was getting into at first, but as soon as the head, uh, there's a lot of uh, uh, possessions going on in here and exorcisms. And uh, one of the guy's head uh, does a 360, you know, exorcist style, only starts spinning just (laughs) round and round and round and round like a top. You know, so I was like, oh, okay, where's this going to go? Does this film have a lot of snakes in it? There's a lot of snakes and a lot of everything in it. There is a there is a ridiculously large boulder that is chasing <laughs> this guy down a path and then squishes him. Uh-huh. I mean, like a pancake. We see him <laughs> afterwards. Um, there's a, a lot of wizardry going on. Uh-huh. The devil makes an appearance played by two different actors and as I think they were both supposed to be the devil. I'm not sure why they were played by two different actors. Uh, He is wearing, I guess the best I can describe it is like a Halloween costume of the devil. You know, the red suit (laughs) with the cape and the pitchfork. Nice. Oh my god. And the and the headpiece that kind of goes uh-huh. around with the horn oh. sticking up. And I was like, oh well, that's the devil, clearly. <laughs> We're here. <laughs> you know what? I have seen this movie. Uh, Micah did have me watch it. I was very drunk. <laughs> I remember just feeling extremely bad for the snakes. I was I was kind of like, what is the audience for this movie? Uh it's it's almost childlike in his portrayal sure. of, of good and evil. Yeah. Oh, okay. But then there were all these other things going on that I was like, well, it's they're dark. taking themselves very seriously with the, the Catholic iconography. iconography. Yeah, There's a word that I can't say. Um, and stuff like that. And I was like, somebody knows an awful lot huh. about religion and, and, Put it but into not this. filmmaking. Well, I don't know. It's, it's, you know, whenever you get these movies from a different culture, you kind of yeah, got to step back and go, okay, how do they look at this? But 
you know, if I if I said what I thought about this movie based on the culture, it would sound very insulting, I'm sure, to the Filipino. Probably, probably. I mean, it, it reminds me a lot of those um, movie posters that you see for like Rambo or, uh, you know, but with somebody from um, like a country far away that perhaps does not have as many uh, access points as we do to television and to movie theaters. And it's like a guesstimate poster of what like, Stallone looks like and ah, what it yes. should be, what they think the movie is. And there's yeah. like a whole huge range of these posters and they are amazing. Yes. So yeah. Google Google this if you get a chance to. Just put They're in like, strange movie posters or I don't know. <laughs> kind of like Bruno Mattei kind of stuff or... Yeah, it but, felt, well, not quite as accomplished as Bruno. Oh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> but I did feel like the only way someone would would recommend this movie to somebody as if they had heard them say over and over, I love really bad movies. Yes. <laughs> so clearly yeah. he's he's a listener and I really appreciate that. Well, Thank you, Micah. I'll have to be checking that one out too then. Yeah. In other news though, <laughs> I watched, um, well, a bunch of movies. I was snowed in and uh, I saw something called Saint Maud. Oh my God. I've been wanting to see this for yeah, months. me too. It is uh, the feel-bad movie of the year. Sure. Mm -hmm. It is very well-made, very dark. This is a movie, Eric, that every once in a while could have used a laugh. Ah, okay. Yeah, one of those. <laughs> uh, I do remember saying to Eric, if I didn't know any better, I'd think this was an A24 movie. And he responded with, it is an A24 movie. Sure, yeah. <laughs> Just like, shit, I somehow missed that logo at the beginning. Um I will say that there were, it's very slow and there were a lot of times that I was about ready to check out and then it pulled me back in. Mm. And the final act is disturbing, <laughs> really wow. disturbing. So you have to check yeah. This one out. yeah, available only as a rental right now. Well, it came out um, last year in the UK and one of my favorite film reviewers, it was like his film of the year. Mm. And so I've known about it for a while and really wanted to see it. So uh, I'm not surprised that it's got some kind of weird distribution issue yeah. as far as like seeing it at home. Yeah, when we were doing the 2020 rundown, I looked for a long time for saying, okay, is it? No, no, nope. All righty. Yeah, same. No, <laughs> same. 2021 movie now. Uh, it's interesting that you were looking forward to it so much because when I was doing some research and it became available, it was just post after post of, I have been waiting for this movie for a year <laughs> to come out and all this. And I, and I was thinking to myself, I'd never even heard of this. Yeah. And so watching it also, I was... I was expecting something quite different than what I got, but I'm not saying that I was disappointed at all. Interesting. Okay. Yeah. I'm, I only know of the trailer and a sense generally of perhaps the tone of it. So I'm really excited to see like what it ends up being. Um, well, uh, as you said, we're snowed in. So my choices and what I was watching definitely diverged away from the norm so, uh, I mean, I'll throw two together because I'm not going to bother talking about either one. <laughs> I watched uh, Framing Britney and also oh, to all the boys I've loved before, always and forever. So I, I don't know either, either of these. these the Britney one I'm familiar with because yeah. it's popped it, up on that's some. That's a documentary? It is. Yeah. Okay. yeah it's, um, it's a documentary where, unfortunately, the premise is the whole thing. So like you never learn anything beyond the first five minutes. Ah. Like it's kind of just reiterates 
information you already know. Yeah. yeah. So, yeah. Um, but, you know, it's it's heart is in the right place. They never once actually managed to talk to Britney Spears. So oh. that kind of sucks. But they're trying to represent Ooh, her as best they can. <laughs> so I, I don't know. And then uh, To All the Boys, it's the third of the To All the Boys franchise. Mm for Netflix based off of um, some fun girl tween books series uh, and very sweet. Good, good wrap up of the three films. Ah. Hey, Vanessa, do you know what we talk about on this podcast? I know, but look, there was snow and, <laughs> and I've been having a lot of rabies shots and I don't have as much time. So. <sighs> All right. Yeah, yeah. Speaking of like that one film you recommended, uh, the, Slender Man poster. Oh, The Empty Man. I keep almost starting to watch it. Oh, fuck, it's two hours and 20 minutes. Okay, I gotta come back and watch it later. (laughs) It is kind of, I mean, nothing pisses me off more than a horror film that's over 88 minutes. Yeah, Yeah. come on. But uh, speaking of the other side of the coin, uh, somebody sent me a short film they wanted me to check out that was uh, proof of concept, I think, for a TV series that's in the works. And it's called, the short's called In In a Foreign Town. About 11 minutes long. Damn, is good. Really? <laughs> really well acted. Really well shot. Creepy as hell. Featured um, David Ress Snell from The Shield. He was the the cop who wasn't featured very much. Got his face burned. Yeah, yeah, okay. And he's great in it. He's gone on to be in like tons and tons of stuff. But uh, I'm hoping that it, whatever this, let's see if I can get some more info on it from the people about if this is something that's in production or it's going to be coming out. Cause if this is an example, it definitely will be better than the creep show series. Wow. wow. Okay. So hopefully that's actually so going to get done. The proof concept for a show that's going to be anthology style. Is that what you're yeah, saying? I think, Cause it's a, the 11 minutes is a encapsulated story. It's oh, got a okay. full. Damn. That there. sounds exciting. Yeah. So hopefully that'll happen. And I'll do another quick one, kind of like you did, because mm-hmm. I'm not going to talk about it much. Because what you said <laughs> nailed exactly this documentary, uh, VHS Nasty. Uh-huh. Have you seen this one pop up? It's uh, it's another documentary about the um, censorship board in the 80s in the UK. And and now how you said in the first five minutes on Britney, you're done. This yeah. unfortunately was one oh, of those kind of things. That's such a bummer. Where the entire movie was after they explained what it was, then they had another guy come on and explain what it was. Then they had another guy kind of oh, come on. No. And so, and no. then, then it became, well, I don't know if you should censor things. And then, and well, I don't know if you should censor things. Well, maybe you should say, and it's like, so I fast forwarded like 20 minutes, same so, kind of thing. Yeah. Fast forward another 20 minutes, same <laughs> yes. kind of things. All right. If you have never heard of the video nasties, this is actually a pretty good breakdown of what it was. But if you've seen anything about it <laughs> this this will just tell you what you've already learned it was a little disappointing because there's some neat people involved and it looks it was well done mm. it's just like hmm, more content guys yeah. there's so much in that story Oof. and it's called vhs nasty yeah. or video nasty vhs nasty. okay hmm. uh i watched willie's wonderland oh, oh, the, oh my Nicolas god cage. Nicolas cage <gasps> how was it it was okay. Oh. Not quite Mandy. <laughs> oh, it was nowhere near Mandy. Oh. Uh, it was fun. Yeah. It is, you know, an hour and a half of Nicolas Cage battling demonic animatronic toys at a Chuck E. Cheese. Okay. He, he's, <laughs> he's, 
because of movie, he ends up having to stay at this place and uh, clean up this this old Chuck E. Cheese style place. Uh, and then finds out that this is what the town does to appease the demonic forces oh. that live within. Oh my God. <laughs> His performance, notable in the fact that not one line of dialogue. That's what I'd heard. Really? Mm-hmm. Oh my God. And uh, he... His character is um, is not at all bothered by the fact that these things are happening. He <laughs> continues to mop and clean up. And every time one of these attacks him, he kills it and then mops and cleans up. <laughs> oh, my God. <laughs> so it's it's a very strange movie, but... I have to say I was entertained. I, I mean, I didn't like I it. didn't touch the phone once during this film. Oh, always Ooh. a good sign. <laughs> I read a, saw a great little YouTube thing on something like that. It's like, one of the hardest questions about entertainment, is Nicolas Cage a great actor or a terrible actor? <sighs> like the I answer you, is yes. Yes, exactly. Yes, yeah. That is the Nicolas only Cage conclusion. Nicolas Cage. Like, yeah. you don't need to know anything beyond that. <laughs> but if you go back, way back to like, what the moon moonstruck, moonstruck yeah. and things like Babies that he yeah. got married he's a very straightforward actor in that like, i think he was oscar nominated for that one man so he has when some when did of... he start to go crazy it was before snake eyes was... yeah mm. well it might have been snake because <laughs> <laughs> drive angries after that yeah but mm. uh, i don't know if it's so much he went crazy he just said screw it i'm just gonna be big what he called it kabuki style theater Acting, and he wanted to bring that to the masses. Oh my and God. Like, yeah, he's, yeah, he's fun, a, fun. He's a treasure. If nothing else, I, I do think he's an artist. Yeah. I think yeah. he's doing it for the art. Well, absolutely. Yeah. I mean, he wouldn't do all those low budget, weird films. He never would have been in Mandy or what was the other one? Like Joe, something or another. Um, like he, if there's an indie filmmaker who approaches him, a lot of times he'll say yes. Yeah. Because yep. he just wants to try new stuff and he wants to support people, which I think is awesome. Yep. Well, and he's played around in the genre for enough time that I think that he realizes, you know what? The people who absolutely appreciate whatever I'm doing are the horror fans. Oh, yeah. Yeah. So mom and dad, Mandy, uh, Color out of space. (laughs) And then this, you know, in a row is kind of telling. Yeah. Yeah. Very true. Absolutely. Well, um, I've been deep uh diving deeper into my trying to figure out Moon Knight situation. (laughs) (laughs) So I've read the Jeff Lemire run, uh, which is pretty recent, and that's the one where um he's insane. And I'm just about to start the Warren Ellis run where he is also insane. So, and then at some point I'm probably going to go to the ones where he is actually like a hero of some kind. Now, (laughs) in the, who's the Jeff, Jeff Lemire. Is that the real recent one? Is that the one where he's in a suit? Yes. Okay. Okay. Um, I think both, uh, let's see. Well, in the Jeff Lemire one, he's three people. I'm trying to think if one of them's in a suit. He's in a straight jacket. I think you're thinking of the Warren Ellis one okay. in a suit. Yeah. I think the Warren Ellis one, oh God, I'm not sure which one's older between the two. Probably Warren Ellis is older. I read that run and I was bitterly disappointed. Yeah. Oh, bummer. Yeah. Which, because I think Warren Ellis, you know, has interesting takes on yeah. comic book characters. But this one I was kind of like, eh. So yeah. I'm very curious to see what you think of these. And yeah. And it, all the speculation leading up to the series is like, <laughs> what is it going to be? I know. Well, exactly. Yeah. And it's because as you pointed out, like it, it just has so many options of directions 
And uh, yeah, are they going to play him as the Batman or are they going to play him as the crazy dude? And WandaVision has shown that they are not afraid to take some chances in what oh, they're going to yeah. do. So that was cool. the other thing that I saw too, was WandaVision. Yeah. WandaVision's getting cool. Yeah. Yeah. It's really damn good. You know, it's a good sign you get up like, a, like Friday morning, oh, there's new WandaVision right. again last night. <laughs> there you go. See that. Speaking of excited to see again, joining the Disney lineup, the original Muppet show. Oh my God. Oh, wow. Finally. All five seasons of the original run. Apparently some of them may be like have some stuff cut out of it. I haven't been able to verify that. But a few years ago, there was actually a very well done, short-lived Muppet show that came out where it put them like in a newsroom. And they took a lot of slack from morons who I don't know if they ever actually watched the original series and maybe just watched the Muppet Babies. Mm. They were talking about, well, this has a lot of adult-style humor. Like, well, their minds are going to be goddamn blown. (laughs) I went back like, okay, watch the first one. And... There's dancing in a bar with Muppets sitting at a table with a bunch of shots around them. Muppets take shots. Wow. Uh, Rito Morano is the first guest, and uh, she's dancing around, throwing this Muppet to the wall very violently, <laughs> and shoving him all over the place. And there's a cigarette smoking warning at the beginning of the episode, and uh, just all kinds of little violence things and all this stuff going, yeah, that's what I seem to remember. <laughs> it wasn't a kid's show per se, yeah, but it had plenty of elements kids loved, obviously. I remember watching that with my dad every Sunday night mm-hmm. and he would chuckle along with me. Most of the time, that's stuff I didn't understand. <laughs> <laughs> it was at, at its height, as reading a little bit after watching it, it was on in a hundred countries. Wow. Oh my God. One of the watch most shows, most watch shows in the entire world for its run. Wow. And the only reason it stopped being shown is Jim Henson said, I'm, I'm going to do the Dark Crystal. I'm going to do this thing that's going to totally take up my time. So we're not doing the Muppet Show anymore. Oh, I didn't know that's what finally canceled it. Wow. wow. He canceled it. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And there's a, there's a little singing duet of three kind of real looking Muppets. That one is very obviously Jim Henson. Mm-hmm. And it's like, God, I think one's Frank Oz, but I have no idea who the other guy was. But it's like, and it's, you know, Jim Henson's Kermit voice wasn't too far off of his original voice. So it sort of sounded like Kermit singing right. as well. <laughs> but Rolf the dog, Miss Piggy starts out a little weird, but, and it was like, okay, this is, this still works. Yeah. Still entertaining. Definitely going back and watching a bunch more of those episodes. I've always wanted to see them because like as a kid, I loved Muppet stuff Mm -hmm. Um, and I enjoyed the Muppet films, uh, but had not really been. I was just a little too young to get to it. started in 77. Yeah, yeah. (laughs) I was a little too non-existent. I wasn't existing quite yet. And, you know, in the 80s, it's not like you could watch like older TV necessarily unless it was in syndication. So, yeah. Yeah, it's weird to watch older shows at times and go, oh, yeah, this was on the air. And if you didn't see it, you, didn't you see probably it. were never going, you, at the time, you thought, I'm never, ever going to be able to see this show again. Yeah. Yeah, <laughs> that's true. Before we all bought every season of Friends on DVD. <laughs> now you can watch damn near whatever you want, yeah. whenever you want, and people still complain. Well, there, there were plenty <laughs> of those uh, shows that were like, you know, half season fillers or something mm-hmm. like that that only lasted for 12 episodes and were only really going to be put on because they didn't have anything else. Yeah. And those show, shows are, are lost to us. Mm-hmm. Yeah. 
Yeah. And, uh, but every once in a while, one will show up weirdly on YouTube, that one you talked about yeah. a few weeks back. But, mm-hmm. but yeah, there's a lot of TV that's never going to be shown again because they just destroyed the negatives yeah, just, or reused the tapes or exactly. whatever the situation it just was. just rotted away yep. and they didn't back it up. Yep. <laughs> okay, guys, should we take a little break? Um, before we go to break, I just want to say uh, I saw the latest Wrong Turn, Wrong Turn 2021. Oh, God. You guys can pass on that. Oh, gotcha. Yeah. R- written I, by the guy who wrote the original. Huh. Really? Yeah. Hmm. And not a... Not a remake or a reimagining in any way. Uh, not even the story you're used to. Oh, wow. I was like, wow. Okay. <laughs> uh, let's take a break. We're coming back and we are talking cults. Are you tired of taking your dog for a walk and picking up after their mess? Are you tired of using grocery bags or products that are heavy and not useful? It can get very messy when your pet goes in the house or on the sidewalk or even your neighbor's lawn. We have the answer for you. Introducing Poo Trap, an amazing new innovation that eliminates the need of picking up after your dog. Poo Trap is a unique new product that fits any size dog without any hassles and your pets will love it too. It's easy to install on your dog and makes your walking experience fun. Walking your dog just got easier with a Poo Trap. No poops, no whoops. Poo Trap is available in eight sizes and three colors. There are no substitutes. Poo Trap, the magic poop collector. Order yours today. Call 888 Poo Trap. That's 888 766 8727. Call now or visit our website at www.pootrapusa.com. Order yours today. We have returned. Vanessa, this was your choice this week. You want to start us off? Absolutely. Well, part, I have to, I have to fess up. Part of the reason why I went with Colts is because we've been talking a lot about Elizabeth Olsen as of recent times and her performance in WandaVision. And I was very much like, no, she's really good. (laughs) She really is really good. I saw this film years ago before I had any idea who she was. Um, And so I wanted to watch and talk about this film. Uh, So I chose the 2011 film, Martha Marcy May Marlene. Sure, I'm upstate, I think. Find out where you are and I will come get you. I can't wait that long. What's going on? She's here now. She seems okay. What did she say? She had some boyfriend. They were living in the Catskills. Is this Martha? Martha. You look like a Marcy May. You've got a really nice place here. It's as much yours as it is mine. Where are we? Connecticut? Oh, how far are we? Yesterday. You mean from where I picked you up? About three hours. Why? Do you ever have that feeling where you can't tell if something's a memory or if it's something you dream? I don't blame you for not trusting people. If you're ever going to have a meaningful relationship, you need to let your guard down. We want to help you. Let us in. 
happened to you? You're a teacher and a leader, Marcy. Now prove it. Shoot it. They're living animals. So shoot Max then. Go ahead. I know who I am. I am a teacher and a leader. You just never let me be that. I don't think she should stay with us anymore. We can't ignore the fact that her behavior is insane. I'm her only family. We have to leave. We all have to leave. never heard of this yeah. really i remember you're mentioning it but i think that's the first time i'd ever heard oh my gosh i mean it, d- it definitely came out during this period of time in which like indie films were like popping up um and they weren't like prevalent and you know they weren't mainstream yet but people th- there were plenty of them getting made um it's definitely on the heels of something like a gus van sant style <laughs> uh picture okay. so rotten tomatoes 90 percent from critics not bad. 71% from audience. Also not bad. Yeah. Budget was 600000 and the gross was $4.7 million. Wow. <laughs> uh, it's 102 minutes long. Um, it's directed and written by um, a guy named Sean Durkin. He has five directing credits total, even now, which is strange because in the last nine, 10 years, he really should have done a bunch, but he did a short film. He did a mini series called South Cliff. And then another film that he wrote and produced called The Nest. He has been doing a little bit more producing. He's got 16 credits for that, but I haven't heard of any of the projects that he was working on. Um, Starring Elizabeth, Elizabeth Olsen, who has now been in 26 things. This was her second film part. And previously uh, to the other film that she'd been in, she'd only done uh, two full house projects as, Mm. you know, filler in human being for Michelle. So nice. So nice. Yeah. Such nice sister. Clearly had avoided the crap out of, you know, Hollywood until a certain point. After after she uh, was in this, she's since gone on to be in, unfortunately, the old boy remake. Uh, she did, of course, as we all know her, uh, show up in Captain America as Wanda Maximoff and then continue to be in the series. Um, she's also really, unfortunately, in Godzilla as L. Brody. Um, <laughs> I cannot stress enough how little they give her in that film and how bad her character is. At least written. It's, it's, she's, that is not a good uh, performance or, I don't know, character for her at all. Um, she's done a lot of alter, uh, alternative style movies. So she did Ingrid Goes West, Wind River, Kodachrome, and um, 20 episodes of a TV show called Sorry for Your Loss. I don't know what that is. Uh, also starring Sarah Paulson, who's been in 66 Things. <laughs> you might know her from American Horror Story, all of it. <laughs> or, now, more recently, Nurse Ratched uh, as Nurse Ratched. Um, also in this film, John Hawks, who plays uh, Patrick, kind of a cult leader, if you will, uh, kind of uh, Manson of the of the of the film. Uh, you may have seen him in any number of things. He's been in 136 projects, so you definitely you'll see him and be like, "Man, I, his face looks familiar." <laughs> he was in Three Billboards, Winter's Bone, Eastbound and Down, and a bunch of Deadwood. So, um, oh, nice. Yes, his first role was in the 1984 Police Academy as driver of Teskey Truck, uncredited. So, 
way to go. And then um, one other name I just want to throw out there. Um, there's uh, a Hugh Dancy plays a husband character in this, and you will know him as Will Graham in Hannibal. So this film, it's definitely it, it's definitely dear to my heart. So I'm going to be pretty <laughs> loving towards it. But um, the plot is that Martha, aka Marcy May, is living in this sort of farm-styled cult. Um, and after enduring a sort of typical day of labor and life in the commune where she's like, we see her washing up and you see a bunch of women like standing in a hallway waiting for the men to finish eating <laughs> and then they leave and then the women are allowed to eat. After going through this, um, the next morning, it's all quiet. Everyone's sleeping in the various places around the house. Um, and she has a bag and she goes off into the woods. Um, she is immediately chased by cult members who are like, uh... May, Marcy May, where you where are you going? What, where are you going? And she's just booking it in the woods. Like she kind of slips into the woods and then she's just going. She manages to um, slip them by and ends up in a diner. Uh, suddenly, one of the members of her family sits down next to her and says, all right, well, but why are you here? <laughs> she's like, well, I just want to go into town. He's like, I could have given you a ride into town. And uh, she's like, well, um, okay, I'm gonna, I'm here now. And he's like, okay, well, like, let's go in the truck. Let's go home. And she says, no. And he kind of <laughs> looks at her and he's like, okay. And he kisses her in a way she does not want to be kissed and leaves. So um, there's obviously a lot of very um, intensive pressurized cult behavior going on in this so far. She calls up her estranged sister to, um, she, I don't think she quite knows why she calls her initially. And then it finally kind of asks her to come and get her. Even on the phone with her sister, she's kind of like, I, I, I shouldn't be here. I need to go back. I need to go back. I shouldn't be here. Uh, but uh, her sister does come and get her. And the rest of the film is her with her sister, who she has not talked to in two years, and her sister's husband, who's British for reasons, um, <laughs> and kind of sussing out this sort of massive quantity of baggage between them, while at the same time doing a lot of these flashbacks to why she ended up in the cult, what she did in the cult, and how she ended up being as under their thumb as she was. Uh, she has not seen her her sister, as I said, for for two years, and it just makes it impossible for her to open up. Her sister's very micromanagey. Like she in the first scene with them together, she comes out of the shower. Um, Elizabeth Olsen's character, uh, Martha, comes out of the shower and she's dripping wet, and her sister immediately walks over to her and starts drying her off, and she's like, "You're dripping everywhere," and it's just a lot of that. It's like, aren't you going to eat? this food. Uh, why, why aren't you dressing this way? Why aren't you, why don't we put this makeup on you? It's just a lot of constant, you can just feel this thing that's between them. It's really nicely portrayed. And you realize very quickly, like you want her to open up. You want Martha to be like, yeah, I just ran away from a cult. Right. And <laughs> instead she's not, she just says, you know, I, I got out of a thing with a, a bad boyfriend and now I'm here. <laughs> and see, and um, of course that makes matters much, much worse because the longer Martha is there, the more she starts to um, devolve. And also she's so used to life in the cult and kind of became an adult. Um, it was her really main years of learning who she is as a person. So she doesn't really know how things are meant to be. Um, so she swims completely nude 
Um, she constantly wants to be around her sister and her sister's um, husband to the point where she gets scared at night and goes down into their bedroom while they're having sex <laughs> and just curls up at the foot of their bed and is like, I'm here now. And they stop and freak out and like, why the fuck are you here? And she's like, well, the bed's really big. You have room. <laughs> <laughs> So there's just a lot. She's clearly exhibiting behavior that she had had before. She doesn't want to eat. And that's because in the cult, you're not allowed to eat until nighttime when you're the women. So it's just all these little things. But like I said, her sister is just crazy. She's um, really micromanaging her to the point where she's like, you need to drink your tea in this certain way. Um, <laughs> and while Martha isn't outright objecting, she's clearly battling demons on two fronts. This entire film is seen through Mar Martha's lens. So while it's flipping between memories of the cult and her adjusting to life with her sister, you have these really nice transition moments. So for example, she'll be gardening with her sister and putting a, a plant into the ground and her sister's like, wow, you're really good at gardening. <laughs> and she's like, oh yeah, no, yeah, I'm just did it a little bit. And then we cut to her gardening, of course, in the cult. So there's a lot of these really nice, smooth transitions between time periods. Um, it might feel a little on the nose, but I, I think it works because I feel like we're in her brain. I feel like we understand everything through her perspective. And this kind of gaslighting and brainwashing that she undergoes from day one, we can see why that doesn't seem strange to her and the things she needs and the things that cult is providing. So uh, unfortunately, it does get crazy in the cult, <laughs> of course. Sure. So it starts off as just a cool farming community, you know, with some nice people. And she really wants to belong somewhere and not be rejected yet again by whatever in life. And then she's drugged and <laughs> wakes up being sexed with by the cult leader yeah. And then she's sitting down in a room and a girl comes up to her and she says, I know you're going to think that the, a bad thing happened to you, but it didn't. It, a, good, a good thing happened to you. We've all been through this together. It brings us together. It breaks down all your walls that you came in here with. It's a cleansing ritual. And now you're one of us. And it's like harrowing mm. because you can see the, the, this constant kind of needling that these people are doing to not only convince her, but convince themselves that this is the right uh, thing to do. And if, like I said, she does then become a part of it up until the point where um, she feels like it has gone too far. Uh, a very Manson style thing occurs. Um, some people are injured that are not part of the cult, perhaps. And she just can't get over it. And while she's having trouble getting past this event, um, everyone's really coming down on her about it and being like, you need to fucking get past this. Like, you gotta, you can't have these walls while you're here. Like, we don't have permission. And they start to get much more aggressive with her. So she sort of becomes an outsider. And um, that allows her to break away from them. It's interesting because Martha at her sister's home becomes more and more, more paranoid that the cult has sent people to watch her and are going to kidnap her and take her away. And you think she's crazy. It feels like she's crazy. But there is a line where you're like, maybe she isn't crazy. Like there's a, uh, her sister and uh, her sister's husband throw this party and Martha sees the bartender and walks over to him. She's like, I know you, I know you. And there's a, uh, he's like, oh, uh, do you want like a drink or something? And she's like that I used to drink that. And it was like her drink, which she gave up while she was at the cult. And, um, 
he starts to pour her a drink and she's like, why would you give that to me? I don't drink anymore. And just starts freaking out at him, yelling at him, throwing things at him and telling him to, you know, leave and being afraid that something's, you know, people are coming after her. And again, not telling her sister and this guy why she's freaking out. So they just think she's a nutcase and they want to send her away. Um, The film ends pretty abruptly. Um, That's kind of the worst part about it, to be honest. It doesn't feel resolved. However, I think the journey is definitely the the powerful part about this film. Just a couple of things that really gripped me in this. Um, the pacing is incredibly well done. Also, I love the lens because it feels extremely non-judgmental. Like you're not looking at a cult going, ooh, they're cult and they're bad or whatever. They don't tell you ever what they are. You just have to kind of figure it out and kind of figure out who's in charge and why they're doing what they're doing. It has this sort of... Um, it gives this idea of the closeness and the community of the cult and why that matters to her. But then, of course, there's freaking rape and brainwashing. So, and but and how that that develops so naturally um, is just really. Um, if it gives an intimate feel to this film, everything about this film is very subtle. There's a lot of extreme close-ups on Elizabeth Olsen's face, and she. There's this one point where the cult leader who just assaulted her gets up in front of the group and sings a song just for her. And he's, you know, he he says, I call this Marcy May, which is the name he gives her. Um, And she's smiling and everyone's like, oh, he made you with a song and, you know, kind of look like, isn't that nice? And um, her smile just slowly across this uh, song turns into not a frown, but just like a neutral, like, it's not okay. You can just tell through her, her little teeny tiny facial expressions that things are not okay. And you can really read into where she's at, uh, which is why I think she's a good actress because <laughs> this film is really good. Um, the tension is fucking crazy in this movie as well. You just are like, oh my God, somebody for the love of God, talk about what's going on or like deal with anything. The cinematography is super, super, super good. I, I won't say this film is for everybody. Um, it ha- it's a slow burn. It's definitely a slow burn. It's an indie feel. It definitely, like I said, Gus Van Sant was making a lot of <laughs> indie, of course, films during this time. And they're fucking exhausting to watch because you're just yeah. following somebody through their life with nothing happening for most of it. Maybe one thing happens in his films. It feels a part of that that kind of genre of filmmaking. Trivia. I don't have a lot for you, um, but it was shot in 20 days. Um, Sean Dirk. Yeah, it's fast. Sean Durkin, the director, wanted an unknown actress to play the role of Martha. Elizabeth Olsen had to audition twice. And uh, when she did land the role, uh, filming began two weeks later. So she had very little time to prepare. Uh, Sean Durkin offered the role directly to Sarah Paulson, the sister, uh, being a fan of hers from Studio 60. Um, Sean Durkin had also made a short film previously called Mary Last Scene, and apparently it's considered a prequel. I didn't know about this until I started doing research, so I didn't get a chance to check it out. But um, it's kind of about a girl, like how you join a cult. And this film is about how you get out of a cult. The name of the character is Martha, which is her actual name. Uh, Marcy May, like I said, is her cult name. And then Marlene is the name of all the cult's women, uh, what they have to use and call themselves when they answer the telephone Mm -hmm. in the house. Um, It has 
a lot of similarities to the Manson cult. It clearly just somebody studied the Mansons and went with it. Just the the structure, the the personality, the events um, feel very familiar. Uh, there are music references to Jackson C. Frank. I don't know who that is. Um, <laughs> uh, Mary Lastine actually won Best Short Film at the 2010 Cannes Film Festival. Martha, uh, Marcy, May, Marlene, which I will never for all of time remember what the title of this is. Um, it was selected for Sundance and won U.S. Uh, Directing Award Best Drama, and it got into the 36th Toronto International Film Festival and then was given distribution by Fox Searchlight. It had a pretty limited release, um, and the film took inspiration from Margot at the Wedding, which is another incredible movie. That's my cult film. Would you say this is... Uh, when you when you got into it, I was thinking, oh, thriller. But it sounds more like yeah. drama. It's somewhere... It's almost like thriller, drama, horror, at all this stuff in between. It, it's so subtle that it's it's hard to commit to a, a genre, frankly. I mean, you could just call it a drama, but there's so much suspense and then there's so many harrowing moments that it it does have a lot of that thriller to it, but it's too slow to call a thriller. So what about you said that it kind of ends uh, without resolving things? I don't need to know what happens, but do <laughs> we find out if the cult is trying to get her back or not? You that's kind of the question, and that's the question mark we end on. Okay. Yeah. So, um, yeah. So, something is happening, and we just aren't sure if it's a thing or not. All right. Yeah. Wow. So, <laughs> go check it out, people. Yeah. Uh, I'll go next, if you don't mind, Eric. Sure. All right. I was for sure... That I was going to be taking uh, Halloween Curse of Michael Myers, Halloween 6 as oh my, my cult movie. Where are you now? <laughs> yeah. Uh, it's got Paul Rudd's first uh, film oh, role. Yeah. He's so young and baby-faced that I did not recognize him until about halfway through because I kept going, when does Paul Rudd come in? Even though he's the lead. Yeah. <laughs> um, it has a 9% rating on Rotten Tomatoes. And I was like, I can make a, I, I can make a case for this being a not too bad movie. Mm -hmm. You know, watching the director's cut. I thought there was a lot to really like in it. Yeah. Uh, we talked last week about remakes and how hard it is to make, or not remakes, but sequels, how hard it is to make a sequel to a movie like this because you're just making the same movie over and over. Yeah. Right. And this one is like, the fuck we are. We're throwing in <laughs> a cult, uh, a town of uh, that's an entire cult based on the demon that's inhabiting Michael Myers and all this shit. It got kind of cool. I was very uh. disappointed to find out that uh, this movie leads to nothing in the next sequel. <laughs> so what I did instead. Last week I did a. Uh, Bride of Chucky. Oh my god! Oh my god! <laughs> the, the fourth movie in the Child's Play series. Oh my god! And this week I took Cult of Chucky, the seventh movie in the Child's Play series. I was six. My babysitter was murdered. And they never caught him. Justice was done. Wanna play? The murders were real. Chucky never was. That's right. He was a fantasy. A delusion. 
Are you feeling better now? I don't blame you for being afraid. I was very ill. Chucky told me he's coming for you. It's important that we all explore it together as a group. I think I have something that will help. Whoa. Hi, I'm Chucky. Wanna play? First, he'll kill each and every one of you in the most horrible ways you can imagine. And then he'll kill me, too. Come to mommy. Oh, come. Are you afraid of the truth? Terrified. You should be, too. Night night. <laughs> and they call me sick? Wait a minute, there's two of them. never goes out of style. Wow. Oh my. From 2017. Have either of you guys seen this? Oh, no. Yeah. yeah. Very <laughs> curious to hear your take on I've this only one. seen the first Chucky, so. I uh, could find no information on the budget. The box office had 2.2 million, which is interesting, and I'll get to that. Huh. Rotten Tomatoes critics, 79%. Wow. Hmm. Audience, 46%. Wow. That's weird. Isn't that a, weird for a horror for film? Chucky film, yeah. especially. Uh, written and directed by Don Mancini, who has written all of the Child's Play movies. And he Go also <laughs> directed Seed of Chucky and Curse of Chucky, which were the two movies before this after Bride of Chucky. He wrote all of the Child Plays movies. And, of course, he's written a couple of episodes of Hannibal and Channel Zero. It stars Brad Dorif as the voice of Chucky. Hey, look at That's that. That's crazy. Uh, One Flew Over the Cuckoo's Nest, Exorcist 3, Dune, Lord of the Rings, Deadwood, uh, Rob Zombie's Halloween and Halloween 2, Eyes wow. of Laura Mars. Yep. It also stars Fiona Dorif. From Deadwood, True Blood, The Purge TV series, The Blacklist, The Stand, and she was, of course, produced by Brad Dourif. Oh, <laughs> she she's his Brad. daughter? Yes. Oh, my God. And it stars Alex Vincent, who is now an adult and plays the same part he played in the very first Child's Play movie oh as the kid. Wow. Uh, he plays Andy. And so this opens with Andy is out on a date. And his date, this was obviously like a, um, a eHarmony or something totally like that. <laughs> yeah, because uh, she has looked up his past online and she's saying, you know, oh, some things yeah. that, that she's like concerned a little bit. And uh, and he says, I don't blame you. Uh, his line of dialogue is, I was six and my babysitter was murdered along with my teacher, my caseworker and 36 other people over the years <laughs> that I'm aware of. <laughs> How about another date? <laughs> <laughs> and uh, when she leaves early, he returns home and from a hidden safe in the wall, removes the decapitated but still alive head of Chucky. Oh, my God. From the last movie. Oh, my God. Uh, it's all scarred up and burned and everything. And it's talking to him <laughs> and um, kind of uh, egging him on and telling him what a loser he is and all this stuff. And Andy 
pops out a blowtorch and starts slowly torturing wow, Chucky. Wow, what great <laughs> roomies. I, I was like, what? where is this movie going? This is amazing. Meanwhile, Nika from, I guess, the last movie, which I didn't see, she is uh, Fiona Doroth. She was deemed insane and uh, committed to an insane asylum after a trial for whatever happened in the last film, I think that her family was killed by Chucky and it ended, it must have ended with it looking like she did it and Chucky going free. Mm. So she's speaking with her psychologist, Dr. Foley, who notes that, <laughs> oh, uh, uh, who notes that Nika's a wonderful made sounding name. a ton of progress <laughs> in recognizing that she, not Chucky, killed her family. So she's now in a low security institute where she meets a bunch of inmates and they, um, they all do group therapy and everything. She's in a wheelchair. Uh, she hmm. somehow crippled in the last movie. I don't know if it was a spinal injury or something like that, or perhaps she was wheelchair bound the entire movie. I don't know. But I kind of don't feel like these movies, you really need to you know, watch the entire thing to get the gist of what's going on. Um, at group therapy, um, in one of the sessions, Dr. Foley brings out a good guy doll, which if you're not familiar, the good guy doll is the Chucky doll. Now, when Brad Dorif is in a Chucky doll, it looks much different than it looks <laughs> <laughs> when yeah. it's just the regular store-bought good guy doll. And... Uh, she freaks out a bit. Where did you get that? And he's like, I got it from Hot Topic. Uh, did he so, really? Yes. So oh my God. This is, this is the, the, the kind of humor that these movies have it. Wow. I, I really love it. So she's kind of shaken, but she's able to say in group therapy that the doll isn't real and everything. Uh, but later that day, Tiffany, who is Jennifer Tilly, she shows up to speak with Nika. Now... <laughs> This is where it gets weird because Jennifer Tilly is not playing Tiffany from the movie. Jennifer Tilly is playing the actress Jennifer Tilly in this movie. Oh my God. That the Tiffany doll has possessed. Oh, <laughs> wait. Right? Uh, whoa. And she comes to talk with Nika and then leaves her with another of the good guy dolls. So this is starting to get important because there are now two good guy dolls in this institute. Okay. There's also the severed head of Chucky that Andy is torturing. That night in the institute, <laughs> one of the Chucky dolls, but we can't tell which one, uh -huh comes to life, steals a scalpel, and it starts creeping down to Nika's room. And uh, <laughs> he enters the room and then sees a bunch of blood pooling on the floor. And he realizes that Nika ripped off one of the spokes of her wheelchair and slit her wrists out of guilt. She's dying and everything. She wakes up the next day and uh, her arm is sewn up very badly. Oh, and in the geez. pool of blood, Chucky has written, not so fast. Oh, my God. <laughs> so um, she, she, you know, wakes to this and then starts hearing screaming down the hall. So she rushes her way down there and sees that Chucky had slit one of the other patient's wrists with the wheelchair wire and killed her instead. So the rest of the movie now is her trying to prove that one of these Chucky dolls in the insane oh. asylum is actually Chucky. That's ridiculous because everybody knows 
It can't be. And we all know it can't be because Chucky is just a head <laughs> in, a, yeah. in a safe in Andy's house. Uh, but Andy then hears of the murders in the Institute and he's like, wait a second, this is starting to sound familiar. He knows he's been following the trail of Chucky, knows that Nika is in this place and he smells a rat. He grabs another Chucky doll that he's had and he's given like this military buzz cut to. <laughs> I think only so that we can recognize what Chucky sure. doll is which. <laughs> and um, he drives to the institution. On the way there, he receives a call from Tiffany, who is Jennifer Tilly, <laughs> uh. <laughs> who is taunting him. And she also then says that, you know, she's there uh, with the cult of Chucky. And that there are three of them in this cult. Dr. Foley brings Nika into his office and he starts, I guess, what is a typical hypnosis session with her. And we find out that it is typical. And once she's hypnotized, um, it becomes clear that he's done this before and uses these opportunities to brainwash and rape her. So that's pleasant while she's Beautiful. in her wheelchair. And he's brainwashing her and telling her that she is responsible for the deaths of the uh, the two girls so far in the Institute who have been killed by Chucky. Hmm. So um, he starts uh, making out with her as she's hypnotized. And uh, from behind comes a Chucky and smashes a bottle over the head. And uh, as he's like there, Chucky admits that he doesn't know whether to kill Dr. Foley or commend him for being so twisted. Oh, jeez. <laughs> and he then, Chucky, tries to convince Nika to kill Dr. Foley, but she doesn't. She refuses. When she finally uh, comes out of the hypnosis, um, Dr. Foley claims that she attacked him. <laughs> So as the film is going on, we have all these multiple Chucky's going on and they're all pointing at one or another to be possessed by the original serial killer, Brad Doris character, the Charlie Lee Ray. Andy, who was trying to get in to have a talk with Nika and try to figure out what's going on. He gets to the door and the, uh, the attendant's like, I'm not letting you in here at all. You know, you're not on a list. You're not a patient, you're nothing. And, and so Andy, um, Attacks the guy <laughs> and gets himself committed. Oh, great. <laughs> so that he can be in this place oh, with him. There you go. He's also got that buzz cut Chucky that we know, right? Uh, the, the, hair, the bad haircut Chucky. At one point, Chucky finally explains that he has learned a new voodoo spell that allows him to split his soul across multiple bodies. Uh, Chucky explains that he has successfully possessed Alice, which is one of the dead girls, and went on a killing spree in her body. One of the victims fought back and killed Alice. <laughs> so that uh, forced him back into the doll. Those two Chuckies then bring the third buzz cut Chucky to life with a new version of uh, Brad Dorf in him. And oh my God. the three of them kill an orderly that uh, had accidentally walked in on them. Meanwhile, oh my God. <laughs> Tiffany has pulled up outside the institution where she slits a guard's throat because sure. she's hot and distracting. <laughs> and we see that she has the Tiffany doll from one of the movies in the backseat of her car. So at some point, one of the Chuckies successfully possesses Nika and she, she gets out of her wheelchair and she stomps Dr. Foley's head in with her high heels. Very satisfying scene. Oh, <laughs> but Andy rips open the stomach of the Chucky that he had smuggled in, 
that Chucky didn't realize that inside his own stomach was a gun. Oh my God. <laughs> and wow. so he turns around and he sees that Nika, possessed by Chucky, is standing in the doorway and she starts taunting him, saying he doesn't have the guts to sacrifice Nika to kill him. Uh, and he immediately pulls the trigger on the gun. <laughs> However, it's out of bullets. What? <laughs> Jeez. So he he does have the guts, which I love. I mean, he, he doesn't think twice. He just starts shooting, and uh, but but he has no bullets. So um, <laughs> Nika beats him up, locks him into a uh, a padded cell, basically, and then throws in the bloody Chucky doll corpse in there with him. And we are left to assume that the police will pin all of this on. Andy is he's the only one left alive and has a uh, gun and a bloody Chucky doll corpse. So uh, Nika walks outside up to uh, Tiffany, Jennifer Tilly's car. It's so weird because she's actually playing herself. And the two start to make out because Nika is, of course, possessed by Chucky and Jennifer Tilly is possessed by Tiffany. And so they start making out. Oh, my God. They get into the car and start cracking up. And the Tiffany doll behind them also starts cracking up. Oh, my gosh. Which we are then led to believe that Tiffany somehow has also split her soul between the doll and Jennifer Tilly. And the three of them drive (laughs) off into the night as the police arrive. Uh, This has been the last movie so far, but... (laughs) I've never wanted a sequel to a movie as bad as I want one to this movie. This this was just a blast to watch. Uh, A couple of funny things here. Remember that uh, Brad Dorif was in One Flew Over the Cuckoo's Nest. Um, After talking to one of the patients, Chucky calls the asylum a cuckoo's nest, which I thought was funny and obvious. Um, When Nika first meets one of the guys at the mental hospital, she trades him a stick of juicy fruit chewing gum for a cigarette. And when he begins to chew, he says, "Mm, juicy fruit, which is an obvious reference to the scene in One Flew Over the Cuckoo's Nest when Murphy gives a stick of juicy fruit to Chief. And he says the same line. Chucky compares one of the other Chucky dolls to Hannibal Lecter adding, can't believe they canceled that show, uh, which writer, director Don Mancini wrote two episodes of. Uh, The ending where Nika becomes possessed by the soul of Charles Lee Ray is similar to the ending of the final story in the 1975 made-for-TV film Trilogy of Terror, where the main female protagonist becomes possessed by the spirit of the Zuni doll. And I think that almost all of these movies kind of owe a debt to to, uh, Prey from Trilogy of Terror. And then, uh, so get this, this is some crazy timeline. This movie was released 29 years after the original Child's Play, 27 years after Child's Play 2, 26 years after Child's Play 3, 19 years after Bride of Chucky, 13 years after (laughs) Seed of Chucky, and four years after Curse of Chucky. So this is a series as it went on, started really spreading itself out in like four years, five years between sequels and stuff like that. Boy, I loved this movie. (laughs) It's it's super low budget and that whole 2.2 million box office, I don't know exactly how they did this because I don't know if you remember, this was released directly to Netflix. Yeah. So it had some kind of mini theatrical run yeah, that probably. that did fairly well for him. Yeah, that's pretty good. Yeah, I liked it. Cult of Chucky. Oh, very cool. I liked it a little less, but I I I really liked um, what's his name, Alan the 
the lead guy coming back. But yeah, Andy played. I thought that was great. I love the idea. It was one of those that I, I'll go back and I'm probably going to watch it more because I lost it. On, watched it on the tail end of everybody saying this is like the greatest Chucky movie ever made. This is so much better than the last three. And like, I watched it. Oh, because I really like Bride. Right, Bride's my favorite by far. And I was like, oh no, it's better than that. But uh, I can guarantee you, it's one I'll like more when I watch it again. I, I have to say that I think I felt the same way the first time I watched it, and watching it this time. I have just really uh, gained an appreciation for a sequel that tries to do something different. Oh, yeah, definitely. <laughs> I wonder why on earth they remade this movie. Because if they have like such a long-standing cult favorite standing with their fans, like why break that mold and try to make it a Come slightly on, crappier you know. most recent, just for money? Just yes. for money? Just for money. That way they can pop it back into the theater. Exactly. This is a big thing because Chucky's quite a ways away from having very successful theatrical runs. Yeah. <laughs> so I heard it was a pretty decent remake. I haven't seen it. It's not good. Is I've it? seen it. I didn't think so either. Yeah. Cool. I didn't. Yeah. Then I'm fine that I didn't. Audrey see Plaza it. is not old enough to be that kid's mom. <laughs> it's very weird. Uh, she doesn't act they, like it. I think they made a mention or something. She was like, She's like young. Yeah. But it's just, I was 15 or something like that. It's a throwaway line. Yeah. And I was like, it's I'm fine just, with that. It just, she just was badly cast. Yeah. She, exactly. Yeah. I think she was badly cast. Well, we'll go much, much, much further back now. Mm. Hmm. Kelly's one of Kelly's favorite areas of movie making. 1972's All the Colors of the Dark. Come. You're expected. What did you make me do? movie and never seen it it's a it's a severin one i own so i can loan that to you but it's also available right now on prime oh perfect uh, a lot of severin stuff after they're out for they do in and out they'll put stuff in and out on their uh online level areas so this was i could not find anything on the budget there's no listing for it on rotten tomatoes i mean it doesn't even list i even tried to look it up in its original italian name and it doesn't just doesn't show up at all so who knows? The box office, however, <laughs> lira. Yeah, I was just going <laughs> to say, this is going to be lira. Yeah, $184,000. So it's a decently successful Italian in Italy. That's just in Italy. Directed by Sergio Martino, uh, who you probably might not know from After the Condor, maybe After the Fall of New York. Oh. A Man Called Blade, and 66 other films he directed. Wow. <laughs> so, so that's a working director. Yeah. <laughs> uh, 
Uh, he was credited as story for this one. He was also story for Rest in Pieces and Under Siege. No, no, no. <laughs> <laughs> Not that one. Um, but uh, four movies in 70, in 1970, 10 movies in 1976. 10 movies in the year 1976? Yeah, that he wrote. Boy. <laughs> With 60 writing credits. Wow. <laughs> Never felt like a slacker so much as I do right now. <laughs> <laughs> the other writer was Ernesto Gastaldi, who wrote uh, Hands of Steel and Once Upon a Time in America, uncredited. <laughs> what? <laughs> and Torso. And I'm just going to list a bunch of really funny because I love some Italian names. Your vice is a locked room and only I have the key. <laughs> the forbidden photos of a lady above suspicion. <laughs> oh my God. Another writer, Sergio Scafalani, the cynic, the rat, and the fist. Anna, the pleasure, the torment. <laughs> and the final writer is uh, Louis Canali, who wrote the English version of the film or translator or whatever. But he did Argo Man, the Fantastic Superman. I did that. Yes. Yeah. Excellent. <laughs> Stars, George Hilton, who was in The Masked Man Against the Pirates. Satan's here. <laughs> Trade your pistol for a coffin. <laughs> Jesus. And then also starring Edward Finich, who was in one I uh, one a five star challenge movie that I had from Tony, Strip Nude for Your Killer. Mm. The Inconsolable Widow. Inconsolable Widow. Thanks all those who consoled her. <laughs> wow, that's the title. <laughs> that's the title. I mean, and, I don't feel like you even need to see the movie now. That's right, yes. And Hostel, part two. Oh. Hmm. Uh, let's see then. And finally, Ivan Razamov, who was in Don't Wait, Django, Shoot. <laughs> and If You Want to Live, Shoot. <laughs> is it a sequel? <laughs> sure. The theme. <laughs> and Vengeance is a dish best served cold, mm. which, you know, all Star Trek fans will recognize as an important line. Absolutely. So the idea of this film, woman recovering from a car accident when she lost her unborn child and besides herself, followed by a coven trying to capture her. Uh, the movie starts off right off the bat with a WTF kind of start with a naked woman in stirrups, a woman, older woman dressed up as a doll, and a woman on a bed. The woman on the bed is the lead, so she stays there. The rest just sort of die and never come back. So mm. it's kind of implied it's a dream, which I'm just going to go with. <laughs> the boyfriend in the movie is a combination of really supportive and a complete asshole. So he makes for some interesting moments. <laughs> I'm still not totally convinced if he's a boyfriend or a husband either. <laughs> Were there rings? That, yeah, I don't remember. As, uh, as I wasn't sure. There, she, he recommends she sees a psychologist, and he is, of course, a 1970s psychologist, which means ridiculously intense. Mm -hmm. The shot of them of him talking to her is very weird because she's they're both facing forward and she's he's in an over the shoulder behind her kind of giving her this intense stare while she mm -hmm. talks. She keeps running into in her dreams and her real life she keeps running into this guy with freakishly blue, blue eyes, kind of a Meg Foster look. Oh. But they're contacts. These <laughs> are definitely contacts because for some reason the first time they do a sh shot of the guy it zooms in super super close up and you can see the original color of his oh, eyes. No. <laughs> Damn you 4K. <laughs> yeah, there you go. <laughs> uh 
A solicitor, as they're called in Europe, the lawyer, calls her up demanding to see her for the next day. And as random as me saying this at that point is how random it was in the movie. <laughs> what the hell is this guy and what does he want? And you don't find out again for probably 40 plus minutes. <laughs> oh, I remember him. <laughs> he wanted to meet up. There you go. Uh, for some reason, she's making bacon and eggs for her husband for dinner. She burns the shit out of him. And while she's airing the pan outside of the window, she sees the blue-eyed man. So she goes running down in the hall to try to confront her and runs into her husband, boyfriend. Holy shit, this is a cool-looking scene. Mm. The way it's shot, the, the stairwell, the it has one of those um, elevators in the middle of the stairwell where the stairs are going around outside, and it just looks so cool. And she gets down there. Oh, wrong blue-eyed man. (laughs) (laughs) I feel like I'm 30 minutes in or so, and I don't know what is going on in this film. (laughs) But it looks cool, and it moves at a cracker pace for the kind of film it is. Just crackerjack movement. She finds a friend, blonde lady. I don't know how they met. (laughs) Um, Tries to tell her what's going on. And the blonde lady says, hey, I can fix that for you. All I've got to do is take part in the satanic ritual with me. And... uh, she immediately goes, sounds good. The blonde lady's like, maybe you should think about it a little bit. She's like, no, no, let's go. <laughs> she really wants these dreams gone. Blue-eyed guy shows up again, attacking her this time. And damn it, what is with, I, you know, the worst part about watching 70s Italian movies is there another cute little dog and taken out in a ritual. It's not terribly violent, but the dog is horribly adorable. <laughs> it's like, stop it. And, you know, so there's the ritual... F- Killing of the dog, falling by the ritual sex, sexual assault. Uh. <laughs> and, oh no, it didn't take, so the blue-eyed guy is still showing up. <laughs> oh my God. She gets home and finds a satanic ritual book on her husband's boyfriend's desk. Oh, is he involved? I still am not entirely certain. <laughs> <laughs> That's for you to decide. <laughs> That's right. And so she goes back for another ritual and finds out in order to actually be cleansed, she has to kill the blonde woman that brought her into the cult. Does the blonde girl know this? Yes. Oh, yes. Commitment to your cult. That's right. And so so she kills the blonde girl and gets sexually sexually assaulted again. Awesome. And now it seems like the blue-eyed guy might be helping her. Hmm. Is it because she's part of the cult? Probably. (laughs) Uh, (laughs) So she now seems like she's free, but then she figures out if she ever wants to leave the cult... Well, she now knows how she gets to leave. <laughs> oh, just has to recruit somebody. <laughs> That's right. Uh... And uh, <laughs> weird note here, because the husband boyfriend goes someplace and leaves a note for her, which is on a mirror on the wall written in lipstick. I'm like, what the hell leaves a note like that that says, I'll see you tonight. <laughs> like, Jesus. Big heart. XOXO. But now she notices she has a tattoo of the cult symbol has grown on her arm. And I tell you, all through this whole movie, this symbol looks like crap. It is such a poorly drawn symbol, but it's consistent. (laughs) (laughs) So the house that the cult lives in is frigging gorgeous. Huge, giant. But then she goes from room to room and finds like this weird room with two dead people in it that look like they're having dinner and violence ensues. It's very bizarre. And uh, I'll just wrap up by saying the last 20 minutes are pretty strange. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. I'll tell you, this is an awesome movie. (laughs) 
<laughs> it sounds insane. Also, that cult has a hell of a lot of fine print. Yes. Like you really need to, it's, it's worse than like activating an iPhone. Like, Jesus, <laughs> the constitution in that? Do you have to like resurrect George Washington to like get out of this cult? Well, per usual in the Giallo style, sort of Giallo, sort of Satan thing, story and plot line tend to be either really intense or really sort of not that important. This one definitely leans towards the latter. Yes. <laughs> the the plot is like it. very simple. It's got a lot of that breathy acting that you also get, and especially if it's the lead woman. I don't know how the person who dubbed it had to sound like that. Right. Though it's done well. You can tell it was shot in English, you know, when they like mouth the words, but it's definitely dubbed. It's got a really strong pace. I said earlier, it moves at a really good pace, especially for a film from 1972. Mm. Guys familiar with the movie, The Love Witch, or at least like the poster, the images of it? Yes. Yeah. Uh, the director watched this movie and said, my lead needs to look exactly like this woman. Oh, interesting. He, I looked up the actress to see how much she looked like the woman in this, and mm. she doesn't too much. But in The Love Witch, the way they did her makeup and hair, she mm. looks just like her. Weird. Uh, I mean, it makes sense because it feels like they're stealing from that kind of... Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. definitely. Yeah. Director's era mm-hmm. is definitely this film. Mm-hmm. And it's obvious that Rosemary's Baby has already been out. Right. And uh. it's a lot of influence in the apartment she's in, the way it moves. There's mm-hmm. even some of that. Uh, it's sort of, you know, Giallo meets a satanic club, but there's no black gloves. One thing I like about Giallo that kind of reminds me of film noir in a weird way, and that the best part for me of film noir is the amazing language they're allowed to speak. The way you can talk in a film noir, even nowadays, like with, well, Brick's not that new, but Brick is one of the more recent versions, where it's just this insanely over-the-top stylized dialogue that you're just not allowed to do because it doesn't sound realistic anymore. Uh, Giallo's like that to me, too where there's like green neon in scenes that has no, there's no reference for where all this incredible green neon is suddenly coming from. It's usually in the lighting, but you just don't, unless somebody says, well, I'm doing a, an homage to a giallo, nobody dares shoot <laughs> this kind of stuff on a larger budget anymore. And it just looks so cool. There is a commentary from Kat Ellinger, who's authored the All the Colors of Sergio Martino. And I listened to a little bit of it, but it's definitely more uh, talking about the director. She's like, I'm going to sell you on how cool this director is, and I want to sell you hard. And it's a pretty good sales pitch. So I was like, I want to go back and listen to a little bit more, and I definitely want to see some more of this guy's films. Because he's he did all kinds of films. He didn't just do Giallo. He did practically any genre you can think of. Wow. Of course, you know, you do 66 films, you're going to cross. <laughs> what? No kidding. Um, tell me, this will decide whether I watch this mm. film or not. Is there, uh, is it just the cult or do we do we feel like there might be something behind the cult? Is there Satan or is this just a bunch of wackos? It's hard to say, honestly. I mean, it's got a, her dream segments add a unrealistic feeling to it. I mean, not like it's a bad movie, but fake reality to that. Mm. But uh, there's not like Satan doesn't pop up and say howdy or anything like that. Right. I just didn't know if there was like something 
something clearly unexplainable has happened after this. Uh... I think so, yeah. Okay. Yeah. Okay. I'm in. Cool. Uh, good topic choice, Vanessa. I'm glad it worked out. Yeah, it, I was really excited to uh, approach this one. This one has so much in it. Well, I feel like this is also something we can do yeah. a part two and I part think three. So. On, so, yeah, I think we have to return. I to had this a eventually. list of at least five films. I'm going. I could talk about any of these exactly. movies. Exactly. All right. I was afraid it was going to be three satanic cult type. Uh, Jesus Christ! Wow. <laughs> right, right, over there. Fuck. <laughs> um, but instead, you know. Only Eric shit the bed on this one. <laughs> yeah. So, and I'm not sure if it's satanic. That's cult. right. It's hard to know. That's right. So we, we definitely need to do part two so I can uh, so I can pitch you my Halloween six. Oh, yeah. Uh, yes. <laughs> Absolutely. I want to do like Lord of Illusions was one I was really looking at doing. Because oh, yeah. I've never talked in depth about that one. And I really like that film. Right. And we had spoken earlier about uh, 1BR and what yeah. an incredibly uncomfortable and realistic seeming cult movie Have you seen that, that one yet? I haven't. It's a... It's a good one. It's yeah, really good. I've had kept flipping past it in my queue. And For some reason, tonally, it reminds me a lot of The Invitation, if that helps you want to watch right. it more. Yeah, no, definitely. I mean, and I was going to say, like, I, I was a little sad I used The Invitation up before this one. <laughs> <laughs> you still got to talk about your movie. What do you care? I know, I know. Yeah, I was going to say, come on. You, you, you. I like things to be orderly. <laughs> I like them to be under the right banner. Yeah. Well, speaking of orderly, that means it's my turn. Mm -hmm. Yep. And I'm going to throw a, a curveball at you guys this time. Ooh. I want you to exercise your Second Amendment rights <laughs> on film. All action, all guns. It I'm excited to be about all guns, but I'm excited about the action part. Yeah, I but it's got to have guns. I don't want no kung fu movie in here. Can I enjoy <laughs> a, a gun movie, but not endorse? anyone ever using a gun. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Okay. Movies right. are fantasy. <laughs> way too many people take movies way too goddamn seriously. Movies yeah. are fantasy. Yes. I was you say, are not Rambo. Yeah, please don't. <laughs> Just let me tell you. Go and teach. If you're going to own a gun, maybe learn how to use it ever and how to do it safely. I'll take that under consideration. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, okay, so that's what we're doing next week, as usual. Many thanks to everybody. Anybody we need to throw a special thanks out to besides all the regular people yeah. constantly You're all helping so us. fantastic. Thank you. Yeah. yeah. Thank you, people. We see a lot of you on on Facebook. I'd like to see I'd like to see more of you. Oh. <laughs> Please oh, come boy. find us on Twitter and Instagram as well. It's not enough to just Let's beg for five this. stars. You gotta ask for I didn't ask for a five star, but hey, if you guys go <laughs> to give us a five star rating, <laughs> oh my god, <laughs> I will watch a movie. And we do have more music that we have not played yet. Yeah, yeah, we have five star music. intro music. Yeah, so let's let's make that happen. I will. Um, I'll stop leaving the one star reviews. <laughs> nice try. We only have one two star review. Oh. <laughs> we have no one star reviews. It's coming. It's if coming. you want to leave a one star review, leave a reason, please. That's the best part. Right. <laughs> we want to know. And we're a name. Gluttons for punishment and an address. <laughs> and maybe like a blood type. Oh, oh my. <laughs> God, weird. Sorry. I'm Escalated. I'm a little tired. I'm a little punchy, guys. I did I, not mean that. I think we all are. So let's end this. Yes. We'll be back in one week and we're talking action. Not work. Pew pew, pew pew. Our show is recorded somewhere high above Naval Station Everett at the nexus of all realities and is engineered and produced by Eric Margaret. Our theme music is Strange Eons Part 1 by the band Nightshade and is used with permission. 
Find Strange Eons Radio on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram, and wherever.